I wish, I wish as women, we knew the steps that are available to us and that we can all come together in solidarity and support one another and believe each other. Hello, and welcome to Finding Mr. Hyde, the podcast. I'm Allie, back with my co-host, Erica. Erica, we have a very special and unique week this week on Finding Mr. Yes, Hyde. Yes, we do. Not only is story time back, uh, but we are covering a bit of a heavier topic today. We are. And so a major trigger warning, if you missed it in the show notes, that we are covering sexual assault today. We have two amazing listeners who have opened up their lives and their experiences to be vulnerable with us and with the audience and share their stories of sexual assault. Yes. And, uh, we figured, why don't we do both of them, same episode, right? Make this an all-in-one. Uh, we have two different experiences that I really enjoyed talking to them and hearing, especially the process of what happened afterwards. Yeah. Because as we all know, many many people, many of our friends, many of our family, many of ourselves have gone through something similar to both of our listeners and unfortunately have dealt with systems that are not well run in the reporting process. Yeah. And and support systems that maybe aren't well equipped to help you in the aftermath of something like this. Um, and both of our listeners were just so eloquent in explaining their stories and talking about how they dealt with that. And the first listener is fully anonymous. Um, the second listener's name is Kaylee. And so we will refer to her by her name. Um, but it's just we, we did these last night and I'm just still thinking about how amazing these interviews are and I'm very excited for the audience to hear them. Yes. And thank you again for them for sharing with us. Uh, so something that got mentioned in the episode was the sexual assault hotline. Uh, and we'd like to also say that here in addition to the show notes. Um, so one of the hotlines that is highly recommended is for rain.org, R-A-I-N-N.org. And the phone number is one 800 One of our stories, uh, she talks about she called them. Not only were they very supportive, but they also have a lot of uh, resources and can really walk you through your options uh, if you go through something like this. Yeah, absolutely. And so given that we have both of these stories in this episode and we really want to, you know, highlight their experiences and, and really make this episode about them, we are skipping our update section for the week or for this episode, rather. What we will be doing later this week is giving the main pod listeners a little bit of a teaser of our Patreon episodes. That is where you will get your updates this week, coming later this week. Um, And so not only will you get the updates, but you'll also get a little bit of a glimpse into what the Patreon vibe is like. Yeah, and a reminder that if you are a Patreon subscriber, you hear the updates fresh. We record that in real time of it's recorded on a Friday, it's released that weekend. You'll hear a nice little preview of a couple little different teasers from the Patreon uh, later this week, but this episode's going to be all about our story time. Yeah, so without further ado, let's go right to our first listener. Let's do it. So I've talked a little bit on the pod about how I've been trying to extend my damp January 
into into future months. And I have really been enjoying recess mocktails as a way to have what feels like a fancy drink at home, but without the alcohol. Yeah. And also, it's nice to have something in your fridge that just has a little bit of flavor. Totally. And they're they're delicious. They're made with real fruit, sweetened with agave, and again, 0% alcohol. So just a nice, nice little flavorful drink. That is a little little play on our favorites here. They got a bunch of great flavors. My personal favorite is the Recess Watermelon Mojito. I actually like to garnish it like it's a actual cocktail. Like I put it in a coupe glass, feeling all fancy, garnish it with a little sprig of mint. It is delicious. And my favorite is the Recess Ginger Lime Mule. I'm a ginger gal. And what I love also, not too sweet. Perfect amount of just a little little sweet treat. They're absolutely delicious, and you can get 15% off recess mocktails now at takearecess.com slash FMH, so you can enjoy your favorite cocktails without the consequences. And we are back with our first Storytime guest for this episode. Hello, and welcome to Finding Mr. Hyde, the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. Uh, Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story with us. Um, I know it's not an easy topic to talk about, or we both know, uh, and we really appreciate that you submitted. So thank you. Yeah, of course. No, it's not easy. So bear with me as we go, but it's just so, it's just like more and more common, the more people I talk to. So I figure the more of us that talk publicly, the less alone we'll feel. Absolutely. Yeah. And and just echoing what Erica said, we really appreciate, you know, the vulnerability and also just that kind of acknowledgement, I think up top that this is something that is so it is it broadly affects people and it is something that it just really isn't talked about for a lot of reasons and you know like like Erica said we're just very grateful that you are here to uh to help kind of shed some light on a something that a lot of people don't want to talk about yeah absolutely so you know with that you want to kind of start off by giving our listeners a little bit of of insider context to the extent you're comfortable of what, you know, what brought you to submit for this particular episode of our story time. Yeah. I mean, I think probably just keeping the actual event vague and focusing more on the after effects is probably the most productive. Um, But when I was in college, I think people know the topic of this episode, but I was sexually assaulted and knew the person, um, the aftermath of that, the way that it was handled by the university was so wildly atrocious. Um, and I had to be in a class with this person, like a 20 person class for the rest of the semester. And it was um, pretty nauseating. And since then, I just, it's always been a goal of mine to, like we just said earlier, like bring voice to something that so many people feel so much shame about. Like the morning after it happened, a very close girlfriend of mine picked me up and just said, you know, you're not going to report this because you don't want to ruin his life, do you? And that was the response that I got. And I, that she was a very like emotionally evolved person who went on to become a therapist. And that was still the response. Um, And I think so much of that comes from the shame and keeping it quiet and responses like that keep us quiet. Um, And the university itself had like an even worse response. Um, So I figure the more we can talk about it, the more we can band together because I'm certainly not alone in this and the less uh, taboo it becomes. Yeah. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm so sorry not only that that happened, but also that that was the first reaction of like your first disclosure because it just 
immediately totally centers the other person. You're like, right. well, wait a minute, th- this happened to me. Right. Or it's it's almost like it, yes, it does. And then it also does the opposite in that everybody wants the other person to be anonymous, right? Like when I tried to tell the university, they didn't want me to tell them who it was because they didn't want to be biased. Oh. So it's almost like, they nobody wants to hear any nobody wants to know who it is nobody wants to acknowledge it it's just blinders on because nobody wants to actually have to handle it um and deal with like if it's a false accusation or if that person has a lot of money and is going to sue them or whatever it is it's like let's just almost not pay attention to the other person whereas like i think the other person's name should be in the papers and i should be anonymous you know like they should be the ones suffering the consequences not me i'm curious of you know, you telling your story of you tell someone immediately, which I think a lot of people struggle to do that alone because they're partly still processing everything that happened. You tell your friend immediately who picks you up. She essentially tries to shut it down. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm curious how long did you wait to try to report it to your school or to report it to anyone else? You know, I think it must have been close to six months or so um, because it was a while until I found out that that person was in a class with me. When I found that out, Mm. I was like, I can't, I can't handle this. So I was in this very small program. I worked for the program. I was like their star recruiter. So I figured I could tell the staff director um, who did not take it seriously, told me to tell the professor of that class who was the faculty director. And he laughed me out of his office um, and said he wow. didn't want to be biased in his grading. And uh, right. Oh my God. So it was about six ish months until I had to do that. And then I just suffered through the class because I had to graduate on time. So unfortunately, nobody that you talked to at the school directed you to a department where it was like you could at least report this because a lot of times it's like you can file this and not press charges. Mm -hmm. but just have it on file and to a name. And the point is in case it happens again and somebody else comes through with a case, it's like, here's extra evidence to help back up these other people. But it sounds like you didn't even get to the point that anybody put you in the right direction at all. No, that's a really good point. I didn't. And it's like, I almost blocked this part out, but um, a few years before that, there was an older, there was like a graduate of the program that I was in who did have a reputation for, to varying degrees, um, coming on to underclassmen, putting them in really uncomfortable situations, just like really messed up things. And it did happen to me. It wasn't to the extent, like I physically was fine, I got out, but I did try to report that for this reason, just like, hey, I I see that he's like approaching other freshmen, like this needs, I've heard this from so many people. It's a Um, pattern. Right. And so I was told to talk to like campus police or maybe it was the city police, I'm not sure. And whoever it was just said, had you been drinking that night? So I was kind of over-reporting it. Jeez. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then after you said no, they yeah. still didn't do anything either on top of it? No, I got a lecture about when it's appropriate to be alone with a man in a room <gasps> and what was I wearing. Oh, no. And like this stuff still happens. I mean, this was probably 10 years. No, that was like 10 years ago, um, that initial thing. So after that, I just was never going to be reporting anything to law enforcement again. Yeah. And 10 years ago is not that long ago for that to have still been 
a framework. And we know that that is still a framework in a lot of places. Mm-hmm. That those are the very first questions like, oh, well, there, you must have done something. Like there's no way that you're blameless in this situation. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it comes, it comes from a very old school way of thinking where it's like, there's many things in life. I do think this can ring true of like, hey, don't put yourself in that situation. Right. But when it comes to sexual assault, it's like, okay, uh, first of all, being drunk doesn't matter whatsoever. If I was drunk and robbed somebody, I still robbed somebody. I don't get excused because I was drunk, right? Or if the other person was drunk. Right. But with so many things, it's just like sexual assault is the one thing that it's like, yeah, in a scenario, it's like that's a scenario we're all in often. That's not a scenario that is, quote, easily avoidable. Yeah. Right. To be, to be with men. Yeah. Like, don't be alone with a man ever is a, is right. a very extreme way to look at it. And, and also immediately put all the blame on us of like, well, why were you alone? You're like, oh, with my professor that had office hours where they're alone in their office and I walked in. Yeah, that's on me. How dare I, you know? Completely. And it's, you know, some like immediately after the fact or close to after the fact, it's like, I understand why people don't report these things. And I didn't report because you, you just can't take it. Like that would have just ruined, like I had to heal, like started therapy. Like luckily I did have the most support from my mom that like anyone could possibly have. Um, So I did have that support system and was in therapy, like very, very lucky with the therapist that I had. Um, so, but I just had to heal. Like I had to focus on that. I wasn't going to be questioned by, you know, law enforcement or university or anything. I think that that is something that often gets overlooked when people are thinking about something potentially being a false accusation. Like, do you understand the amount of scrutiny and additional trauma that a woman reporting sexual assault is going to have to go through? Like to make that up, like the statistics are super low in terms of false reporting because like 99 times out of 100, I made that statistic up, but like so much, the majority of the time, the scrutiny and the blame ends up being on the woman who's reporting it. Right. And even if you got lucky enough to have people who believed you, they still have to grill you to make sure that your case is ironclad, which I can't even imagine a scenario where like somebody gets believed. I mean, just like by my experience of close friends, roommates, other people who just couldn't handle the gravity of what happened and thought, well, like, I think what was happening to them was like, well, I don't want it to happen to me. So she must have done something wrong to have it happen to her. Because yeah. it was just, it's the fear of accepting that that's a danger that's out there. Um, and I was like the mother of my friend group. I was always the person taking people home, giving people water. Like I was the last person for that to like, like quote, last person for that to happen to. And it, it just doesn't make a difference. It's a really good point of kind of the frame of mind. I think that other people are coming from, especially other women. It's like a protective instinct in a sense right? of like protecting yourself from going down that path in your mind of this truly could happen to anybody and therefore it's a real danger to me. Exactly. And it's like, I don't blame people for feeling that way at all. It's a terrifying reality to face. Especially when, I mean, it sounds like him being in your class, you were just like, get this dude out of my class. Like at the bare minimum, just move this person to another class that I don't have to sit there in the same room with them, you know, twice a week. Right. 
And then when that wouldn't happen, I said, can you at least make sure that I never am paired with him for a group project? Because this class was very project-based. Yeah. And that's when yeah. I was told, no, I don't want to be biased. So you can't tell me who it is. And we'll just hope. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm laughing now just because it's like, it's so insane. But it At was, the absurdity, um, just... Right. Yeah, especially when there's a million things you could be biased about. And this is the one thing you're going to be like, no, I don't want to know that one. Exactly. Like someone could be a dick in class all the time. And then it's like, is that going to affect their grade? Maybe. (laughs) Like, I don't, you know, like that's on the professor of like, well, that's part of your job is making a distinction sometimes. But that's, sorry, I'm not trying to derail your point. That's, I just can't imagine being like, dude, just move them from my class. And they're like, uh, nah, too much. Yeah. No, you're spot on. You just enhanced the point. So as you kind of then worked through it, so you had to be in class with this person, you know, you're kind of losing hope of getting justice from the university or kind of like, you know, being able to kind of move forward then. What did that look like for you moving forward from that in your life? And, you know, kind of you mentioned, you know, healing and being in therapy. And can you tell us a little bit about that in the immediate and then kind of since? Yeah. I mean, you know, in a lot of ways, like just took like really healthy healing routes. I stopped drinking for a really long time. Not again, like not that it was the alcohol's fault, but (laughs) I just for myself, I didn't drink for a very long time. I focused on school work, which like I had already been doing anyway. Um, But dating was definitely an interesting journey for sure. And I remember at that time, you know, I was like young and naive and like, kind of like in like a college situationship with somebody that like it was obviously never going to turn into anything like it was so clear but he had never pushed boundaries physically and I just like was drawn to him like a magnet and mm-hmm. you know he was all for it like was never going to be able to commit but like he was like great and I just was like this just feels safe just because physically he was so respectful um And so I did that. And then I think like I just kind of stumbled around for a while in dating um, and figuring out like, who do I need to tell this to? Who do I not need to tell this to? I mean, it's still a weird thing for me to figure out. But with more time comes like a little more perspective. It gets slightly easier to navigate and like my picker gets better. (laughs) But um, the dating part was was the hardest the rest of my life like fine I mean until things happen like you know in the news like Brett Kavanaugh confirmations like all of those things are yeah all sorts of triggering (laughs) but other than that life is fine but dating is weird and sex is like can be weird yeah I was kind of like as you were talking about getting back into dating and kind of thinking about that I was thinking that it must have been really difficult to re-establish physical safety as just a given that somebody would have that like that isn't something like obviously it's something we're looking for but it's not something you're like oh and isn't this great about this guy that I feel physically safe with him it's like yes but but that's a given like that's 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 the you know bottom bar if you will and then like all of the other stuff is now the things that we're you know putting wins in the pro column for if you will Yeah, no, totally. That gets very confusing. And honestly, even like figuring out who is actually physically safe or not can be confusing because it's like just a physical trauma response in your body, like not for everybody, but like for me, where it's like, I would just go numb, just physically numb when anything like physical would start to happen. So I didn't know 
like, do I want this? Do I not want this? Are they pushing my boundaries? Are they not? Like I knew with that one person, cause I'd already been kind of seeing him before this happened. Mm-hmm. But after that ended, like I just really did. I was like, I just don't know what the difference is anymore between being physically safe or not. Um, for quite a while, it just was like, just numbness. Was there anything in particular that kind of helped you start to discern that? Or was it really time or a little bit of both? Unfortunately, I think it was time. Yeah. Sadly. That's an unfortunate answer for a lot of things that that all of us would like to speed it up, but unfortunately you can't control it. Yeah. And like, I think if I could go back and like talk to myself or talk to somebody else and like the immediate aftermath of this, um, like I would just say that's normal. You're not broken. Like your body is not broken. Like this is its response to something that happened. It's not permanent. Um, and just listen to it and slow down. Like it's so hard to tell, like, I think like a young woman to slow down, especially in dating. And when society just says like the goal is to mate or whatever, but like, I would just say like, slow down And the slower you are, the more you can listen to your signals, even if they're really quiet. I'm curious with the numb feeling specifically, Mm -hmm. have you done any specific type of therapy that helped you with that? You know, I didn't, and I probably should have. It's not even something that I really knew existed. Um, Again, because like, who talks about this? Yeah. Um, But It sounds like somewhat a form of PTSD. Obviously, I'm not a therapist, but... But I feel like somebody listening might be experiencing that exact thing. So I was just curious, like, yeah, if there was totally. something. Yeah, I've read it super common. So if anybody is listening and this is happening, like, apparently this is wildly common. But I didn't really start to explore it until it started to get a little bit better for me. Um, yeah, I, so I didn't, I mean, you know, I did like talk therapy for a number of years, just like regular, but um, which was really helpful and like general life but I never talked about the physical things that I was feeling um I think I just probably felt like subconscious shame around it I don't anymore but I think I just never brought up like any of my physical things because it just I don't know just internalized shame yeah and you know I think also to your point about how a lot of people don't talk about this I'm sure there are a ton of people who are listening and resonating with that feeling you're describing and realizing that that is super common and that that's not something, you know, it can be really isolating to be feeling something like that and not know, like, is this just me? Is this going to be forever? And not know how to navigate it. Absolutely. And it was something like, even when I started to have like more healthy relationships with people, like, I just, I think I used to think maybe with the right person, I won't feel numb anymore. Um, Mm. And so then I would just like, after the first time that I would be intimate with somebody and I felt nothing, like I would just be devastated and I would just cry because I would just think like, is it because this person's not right? Is it because my body is broken? Like, what is this? Um, And I mean, you know, maybe it was a combination of things. I don't know, but it definitely felt very isolating. And it's hard to talk to a partner about that because you don't want to make them think it's their fault. And it's just hard to navigate. I feel like this is actually a common feeling that also happens in like car accidents that I've read Mm -hmm. of your body oddly completely relaxing and having this numb, I feel nothing. I remember nothing. It's like it blacks it out for you as almost a preparation for what's about to happen because your brain 
is associating like what's happening with oh dear god a little bit right i'm not saying it's exactly the same but yeah i've i've definitely read that about like a lot of really tough accidents that people felt similarly and were shocked they were like i just suddenly couldn't i felt like i was outside my body and not even present um i'm curious uh since you've you know been with or at least dated people since uh when have you found it was kind of the right time for you to disclose that to your partners i don't know if there is a right time um i think this is like very specific for me what i found is um like it's pretty recent that i figured this out But for me, it's like really important for me to wait a while until I am physically intimate with somebody so that I don't even have to think about having the conversation. Like if in my head, I don't know if I'm ready to have it yet. I just tell the person, you know, I just take a little longer. I just want to wait a little bit. Um, And then when there's like enough like emotional comfort for that to happen, like, I, I mean, yeah, I like I somewhat recently started dating somebody and I have been like navigating that here. And I was like, maybe I'm not going to have to say anything. Maybe I'm healed enough. Like maybe this can just come up down the line. Um, Surprise, surprise. I'm not healed enough. (laughs) And I did have things come up and I did end up bringing it up. It was probably about two months in. Um, And like we waited a while. And by that time it was just like, felt like an appropriate time to have the conversation, but probably different for everybody uh i assume you've had people you were intimate with that you told and also not told yes do you feel like telling people did make it better for you um yes telling the right people yeah Mm. yeah and i think that's also probably like looking back a signal if i felt like i couldn't tell somebody or like i was very uncomfortable telling them i probably shouldn't have been dating them Um, but like, you know, in my head, I can remember like a total, including this person of three people that I've told all of which were like very respectful about it. Like one had truly no idea how to respond, which is fair. So it was like a lot of silence, but like, I get it. You know, there was nothing destructive that was said. Um, and then the other two just, you know, said a couple of really healing things, which I certainly wasn't expecting, but it's like kind of a silver lining that comes out of sharing tough experiences you can see how somebody responds to it yeah and I can imagine too I picked up on I kind of loved that you just told people I would like to wait Mm -hmm. and I'm not there yet and you completely left it out of the equation because I think that's also very telling with the people you're with of like I don't need to give you a reason for why I'm not ready I can just say I'm not ready I'm not there yet and a and the right person and good people will say, yeah, of course. I don't want you to do anything you're not comfortable with, you know? Exactly. Yes. And like, I wish I could say I've always been good at like seeing the warning signs if people don't respond well, or, you know, if they do get pushed or whatever, but like, I haven't always been great at seeing that, but it's for sure true. When you, when you talked about people saying really healing things, can you give, you know, some insight into, you know, if you are disclosed to, Mm-hmm. In your experience, and this is going to be different, I'm, I'm sure, for everyone, you know, in terms of what somebody wants to hear or is helpful, but what has been helpful or, or most healing for you to hear when you've disclosed, even in, in not in dating, just in general? Yeah, I, it's a great question. And like you said, I'm sure it's different for everybody. 
I think um, just being there and just sitting with it, it's like you almost don't have to say anything. I think for me, the almost more destructive than the comment of like, don't ruin his life was, you know, somebody close to me in my life at that time who just flat out couldn't handle it and just like physically walked away. She did not mean harm. She just couldn't handle it. And that was more destructive than probably anything. And I think if you can just sit there and just like, I'm here with you, like just, just being there, it helps you feel less isolated and less alone. Um, And it's like such a stereotypical refrain, but it's not your fault. Like it's so hard to hear that. And it's so hard to feel that, that like the more you hear it, like it might be painful, like, you know, you might not believe it yet, but it does help to hear like, this was not your fault they are at fault here. Um, and like, whatever it is, like you did nothing to bring this on, I think is good, you know, for me, um, was good for me. And just, just, uh, yeah, I think just like, I'm here with you and I'm not running away from it and we'll figure this out together. You let me know what you need. Yeah. That's, that's really powerful, but just sitting with it with you, it's very similar to how I think about how I like people to receive my grief mm-hmm. when I, you know, disclose that my dad died or if I'm having a, I call them grief bomb days, mm-hmm. you know, for one, for, literally could be for zero reason. And I'm just like sad that day and sitting, just sitting in it with me is the best. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And like, I have similar like dark days where it just like something in the news will throw me off or like, I hate this. And I always forget the date that it happened, but my body never forgets. And I'll just wonder, there's a certain week every year where I am so irritable. I'm so angry. I'm just like, I have, it's like, I have no control of my emotions and I'll wonder what's going on. And then I'll realize. (laughs) And so, yeah, it's just like our bodies remember and things come over us. And I think, um, just being there with it is, is helpful. Um, I'm curious, what advice would you have for somebody that goes through this? And and I almost want to say, what would you specifically have for someone in college? Because I know a lot of the college systems, it depends where you go to school and how it's done. Um, I actually had to do a project in a class. We had to pick a system from the school and look at it and basically figure out how we do it differently. And we picked the uh, sexual assault cases. Uh, and I learned a lot just from looking through it because no one ever sat me down and told me as a freshman, like, hey, you're here and men, women, whoever, you should know this is how things work. And if something happens to you, this is where you should go. So little side tangent of that. But uh, I guess I'll break it down. Someone's in college has a very similar situation uh, to what you went through. Mm-hmm. What would you say to them? How would you advise them to handle it? That is so tough. Because it's like, you just don't know who you can go to. You don't know what people are going to say. I think the, like, the biggest thing that I would want to say is your experience is valid. What you think happened, happened. And people are going to say potentially crazy things. Hopefully, like, we've evolved a bit more since then. Me Too movement has happened since then. Like, hopefully, you'll also have some support. Um, but just know that whatever comes back at you is no reflection of you um, and is no reflection of 
you know, your experience being invalid or anything like that. Um, I like, I would love to say, you know, if you're in the position where you can find a good therapist, but sometimes therapists aren't always great either. It's, it's such a fragile, like, um, you're just in such a like delicate, uh, state at that time that I just be as gentle with yourself as you can go slow with who you tell, not because you should have any shame over this, but just because sometimes people's responses can be damaging. And I would just go slow and find the people that can be there with you. Um, and if you choose to report anything or to go, if you need to go to like a hospital or to a health center, have somebody go with you so that you don't have to go alone and go through that experience alone. Um, and just, I don't, it's, it's tough. And if you're in college and this is happening, I um like my heart is with you because I don't think that we have good systems. Uh, this is a side question, but I, I'm curious with your story. Did the person ever talk to you again? Um, not exactly. I was so, um, I have like the fight or flight response. My response is usually fight. Like I also, oh yeah. Like a month after that happened, I got mugged. Like somebody came up behind me and like took my purse. Oh, wow. the whole thing. Oh my God. And I like ran after him. Like that was my like response that came up again after the final exam for this class. Um, and I knew that I was done. I was never going to have to see this person again. I, like cannot tell you what I said, but I like waited for him to come out. And I said something about like how wrong what he did was because I knew nobody, you know, he, like I didn't report it. Like nobody even wanted to know who it was. And I was like, no, he's not going to hear this unless I tell him. So I said something, I don't remember what, but I remember him saying what you wanted me to ask first. Uh, um, Jesus. Yeah. And then I literally, yes. Right. And then Literally, I, yes. this was just like on the street, like in the middle of campus. And I'm pretty sure I, and then he just like did like a, um, like a salute gesture and walked away. Wow. Ah, uh, f- so sorry. <laughs> Fuck that guy. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah. And I, I actually, in, I was curious. I don't think about him much. Um, he's a lawyer now, so that's fun. Oh, Jeez. lovely. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if he's anything, honestly, I would have the same reaction. I mean, yeah, like he's doing. You know I mean? He's alive. Like he's <laughs> he's, he's just walking he's around alive the and world. Well. Yeah, <laughs> fuck that. Yeah. Fuck that. Yeah. Because uh, for a second, I was like, no disrespect to lawyers, but it's just more interesting of your like. I could have taken well, you to court, and now that's where you are. Yeah. Right. He's exactly. like potentially in a position of power to exactly. like. Yeah. Yeah. He's seeing over these cases. Like that's the part of it that is like, oh my god! Like he's supposed mm-hmm. to be like upholding justice. but uh that's very interesting you bring up the fight thing because i think in the previous question of like what would you advise someone to do i guess that's something that i personally didn't think about because i am naturally the fight response as well that i i think i would be the one to be like i want to take this person down but it's like you don't know how this is going to hit you and also you don't have to do that is like maybe the other thing people need to hear is like yeah you have every right to push for this and try to get justice and we hope you do. But at the same time, if you don't have it in your mental space to do that and you're like, no, I just want to heal and I want to take care of me. That's also the right answer. 
Yes, I'm so glad you said that. That's much better advice than what I'm like, <laughs> that's what I took from what you said. No, that's I, I, I took the <laughs> that's same what thing I took from what you said. said. <laughs> Was oh, you were like I, I liked that no one no one pushed me like to do that because I agree of you should you should share it with people and have people help you through. You want to go to the health center. You want to do X Y Z. But at the same time, it might be hard for then you for you to stand up to your friend who's helping you and be like, actually, I don't want to go through with this. Mm-hmm. Like I've hit a point that I don't have it in me to fight it. And like, sorry, I don't, but I don't, you know? Yes. And I think that there is a lot of pressure that women feel and that I felt and still feel to speak up when these things happen so that it doesn't happen again. Um, after doing it once and getting a horrible response, I was like thrown off that, yeah. but I still feel it. And I still, I still think I, I hope I, that's part of why I like ran after him after the final. I was like, I hope he doesn't do this to anybody else. And I was like, no one else is going to tell him if I don't, but um, it's not on you. It's not your responsibility. It is just not. It's completely on them. And going through that is hard enough without also having to be the person to save the next person. Yeah, I think what you both said about like typically being the fight person and then kind of having to wrestle with whatever your response was is something that really resonates with me because I I went through something similar in college um, and I had an absolute freeze response in the moment. And I remember like feeling like you said, like that out of body experience of like, I'm completely frozen. And I remember having a lot of shame after because I am an athlete. I am like stronger than the average woman. I like consider myself somebody who could like quote unquote handle herself. And yet there I was just freezing. And then even afterwards, like not wanting to take it anywhere. And I, I think – I think the sort of juxtaposition between how I viewed myself before that and how I decided to handle the situation, like the difference between those two things was the hardest part for me. Thank you for sharing that. I'm so sorry that you had to go through that. Um, you didn't choose to handle it that way in that situation. So true. Thank you. you. Had no choice. <laughs> so true. You had no choice. That, and I froze in the moment too. My, my fight response came like a year later when I like ran after this person, but I've, what are you going to do? It's like, it's a complete, you have no control over your reaction, um, whether substances are involved or not, whether you're drugged or not. Like this is a complete traumatic situation. You can't choose your response. Yeah. And that's, I'm so glad that you pointed that out because that's an example of even 15, 16 years later, and I'm still finding myself using language that is like unnecessarily judgmental of myself. Yeah. Thank you, society. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Truly. Truly. So, and I, I ended up getting an apology from the person unprompted. Wow. So it was like a little bit of a different, yeah, my senior year. It was like four years. And I was a sophomore. So it was two years later. Um, wow. But there, it was a, so it's like a little bit different, but like even then just thinking back on it and, you know, deciding not to do something or not deciding, but like having not, having not done something and then kind of needing to then wrap, like wrestle with that. Yeah. I mean, and again, you did do something, you did whatever you had to do to heal and get through the next day and get out of bed because, oh my God, is that hard to sleep and to get out of bed? You did all of that. Um, I, what did it have an impact on you when he apologized later? You know, at the time I decided that it didn't, like in my mind. I like 
because you know you can decide how you feel about things, right? So, <laughs> so my therapist says that to me all the time. Like she's like, "Ali, you can't think your way out of feelings." Sorry, um, but I still try. Um, so at the time, I like put that in that same box in my mind of I don't care. I don't care about what happened. Therefore. I don't care about this apology. Mm. Like what happened wasn't a big deal. Therefore, the apology is not a big deal. It like – and at the time, I was I was handling what happened by deciding that sex didn't mean anything mm-hmm. because if sex didn't mean anything, then this was my uh, – this is not what I actually think. But at the time, right. if sex didn't mean anything, then that didn't mean anything. Yeah. It, it also happened to be my first time. Me too. So – oh, really? Yeah. Well, then that makes sense. Also, it's even more so you're sitting there like, is that what it's supposed to be? Yeah. You know, or I, I feel like, Allie, you've said this to me before. Part of you is like, I don't want that to be my story. Yeah. A little. And that makes you even more so try to talk yourself out of what happened wasn't okay. Right. Yeah, That because that's not the way that, you know, and at the time, most of my friends had had sex already. I was like the one that was not Mm-hmm. And I'm like that exactly like you said, Erica. Like, no, that's not my story. That's never what I thought my story was going to be. Yeah, and, and it's hard. Also, I, I'm glad that you brought that up. And it's like when everybody else is having like these consensual sexual experiences, and you haven't yet. And it's like I don't know how you felt, but I wasn't intentionally waiting that long. I just like like if I wanted to, I would have. I just didn't <laughs> want to with anybody yet. So then I was like, well, I get it is. It's so confusing when everybody around you is having a different experience. And then yours is, you know, um, not by choice. It, it just, it's so confusing. And that time of life already without any type of um, attack uh, is already so hard to figure out who you are, what you want to make sense of the things that are happening. I, yeah. And like your response makes complete sense. It's just, well, all right, then this just doesn't mean anything. Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. Sex is just like a thing. Whatever. Like it doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. And then like that drove a lot of my then decision making where I was making decisions to sleep with people that like in hindsight shouldn't have for my own mental health, fully consensual situations at the time. But like looking back, I'm like, yeah, that was not what I really wanted to be doing deep down. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you have a grasp now on like when you really want to be doing it? Much more so. It yeah. does still come up though. Like it, it, stuff still comes up where like the first time, oftentimes the first time that I have a no sex sleepover with someone, mm-hmm. I will then instinctively, I've talked about this on the Patreon, but I've never talked about it here. I will like instinctively think like, oh, something's wrong because I, that like lizard brain of mine is still equating my like worthiness to sex in a way that I did when I was 19. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's it's, definitely something I still combat. Yeah. And it's just like one of those things that like you have the awareness to know, you know, like you know that it's your lizard brain. Um but it's just such a shame that because of these experiences, it's like you have to like talk yourself out of that all the time. It's just constant effort. Yeah. And you're like, oh, no, it's like you actually you guys are like really comfortable with each other and you both feel so easy and safe with each other that like it sometimes isn't about sex. And that's great. Right. Like, that's great. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Sometimes I almost have the opposite. Like if I'm not 
like in the mood, I'm not feeling it. And then I end up like doing it anyway, like fully consensually. Yeah. Yeah. It's Mm -hmm. like crazy feelings come up after that, that I'm like, my body just thinks like, wait, hold on. Like, are you under attack when I'm, I'm absolutely not, but it's like, I'm almost like the opposite. Like a no sex night. is just like the idea of safety to me, which is really sad because like I enjoy it in theory, but my body gets confused. Yeah. that, That makes a lot of sense too. And actually I think like, the juxtaposition. I actually didn't even know if I was going to share my my piece of it. So thank you for being such a safe space. Um, but I think actually the the difference in ha- in like what my body's responses and my brain's responses now versus yours is so indicative of just how this isn't a one size fits all experience. Yes, I'm so glad you said that. It's so true, and I think that's where people's responses like. And I don't know how you feel about this. I know you shared it similar to how you feel like when sharing your grief, but it's just somebody being there. It's like kind of all it takes. Yeah. Like there's no real right words because everybody's going to be different. I'd also like to add, I have plenty of friends and myself included, and this is not a brag, um, that have not really gone through the same sexual assault trauma both of you have, but I have still had a lot of those thoughts with sleepovers with people. Mm. of the first night you stay over and sex doesn't happen is almost a little bit anxiety inducing of different things. Um, but, and then you also brought up a great point of, I feel a lot of us have been in that scenario. You go, I'm not really in the mood. And then you do. And then especially if you talk to a friend about that and then you have a friend go, well, that's not okay. You shouldn't do that. And you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, that's that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying it wasn't consensual. Like, because relationships are complicated, and there's many different levels. And I think, I think a lot of people can relate to what both of you guys just said. I do. I mean, that's helpful to hear too. You know, just like in the spirit of like think this not being an isolating thing. It's like not everything that we necessarily feel is because of the traumatic experience. Sometimes it's just a shared human experience. Being a human. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And you're wondering, like, why does my brain hate me right now? Why is my brain being like, that guy didn't sleep with you when you slept over his house, so he doesn't like you anymore? Why is my brain saying that? Why? You know? Why is that thought there? Who put that in my thought? Society? Who is that? Who's, you know? Yeah, I wish wish we knew. Exactly. So, Yeah, but again, just thank you not only for opening up and being so vulnerable, but also providing a a safe space that I didn't even know that I needed in this moment to, you know, kind of connect on that level too. Well, thank you for sharing. I, it's interesting. I've made a few new um, female friends within the past year and a half. Um, All of them have a similar, very similar shared experience. And it's just like my jaw drops every time, even though it shouldn't, but it's like, these things are just, it's just, it should be in plain sight, but it's, we feel like we have to be so secretive about it. Um, and I think that there's power in giving voice to this pretty atrocious shared experience. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. Of course. Thank you guys. So uh, that was our first story time submission. And uh, we loved hearing her story. And we thank her again for sharing with us. Now, before we get to our next story time submission, We do have a couple ads from our sponsors. Listen up, guys. If you haven't heard yet, we're coming to the DC Comedy Loft for another live podcast Thursday, March 21st. Get your tickets. We are 
I think over halfway sold out already. Well over halfway sold out. So get your tickets if you want to come experience some magic live. We want to meet you. We want to talk to you. We're going to have so much fun. And it's also Allie's birthday that week. It is my birthday that week. So, and my mom might be there. I'm excited. You can go to findingmrhyde.com slash live to find an easy link also in our bios to get those tickets. And we are going to have an after party afterwards where we can really meet and greet, talk to everybody somewhere in the area. Yeah. So make sure you come DC Comedy Loft Thursday, March 21st. And if you want to check out some stand up, I'm going to be there all weekend. So Friday and that Saturday, I'll be doing stand up shows. Start swiping on Hinge, bring a date, have a good time. And you'll, you can come and meet Allie's mom, which we still have some spots left on our Portugal trip. And a little update on that. A few of you reached out to us about, hey, I want to come either, unfortunately, I don't have my mom anymore, or I want to come with my aunt. I want to come with my sister. I just want to come with a friend. The trip is officially open to anybody that would like to come, as long as you don't mind. Half the trip being moms and daughter combos. Everybody's excited to come. Doesn't matter. You are welcome to join. Travel with us. It's going to be so, so fun. You can also check that out at findingmrhyte.com slash podcast. If you have any questions about it, feel free to reach out. We're happy to answer anything. We're just so excited to be there with our moms and with you. Yep. Next October, October 4th through 10th. Check it out. Come travel with us too. And now we are back with our second listener of the episode, Kaylee. Hi, Kaylee. Welcome to Finding Mr. Height, the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. Excited, but also nervous to be here. Very nervous. Of course, but no, it's not an easy topic to talk about. So we're very, very appreciative that one, you submitted to our story time and two, that you wanted to come on the pod and share. Yeah, well, thanks for having me again. If you hear some shaky voice uh, throughout this, that's why. It's not easy to talk about, but also I just obviously look up to you guys and I follow this podcast pretty closely. So so yeah, that's why. No, oh, we're we're so grateful that you're here and you know sharing your vulnerability not only with us but also with all the listeners and you know it's it is something we've talked about this before but it's something that is so common and yet so not talked about and so just can't emphasize enough how grateful we are for you know your willingness to share. Absolutely. Well, thanks. It it's, sucks that it happened to me, but uh, you know, if anybody can get something from my story, then it's it's worth being told. That's how I feel. So um, I'm sure you're not alone. Um, and I was just going to flip it over to you. Of You told me your story of the night that happened. And uh, I'm happy you'd like to share that with everybody. So I'll just turn it over to you. Tell us, tell us on the listeners uh, yeah. your story. Um, okay. So this took place uh, 2022, April, May time. So spring. I was invited to my close friend's wedding, Christine, and um, it was a very small, just for some context, it was a smaller wedding, only like family was invited to the ceremony and then a few friends were invited to the reception. So I wouldn't say that we're like super, super close, but, you know, we go out together, we meet up, things like that. So I go to the reception. I'm like, all right, I'm not going to know many people here. It is what it is. Let's have a good time. Um, and I run into one couple that I have met once before. Um, for the sake of nicknames, I was almost thinking of calling them Creep and Creep's Girlfriend. Does that sound <laughs> great? Sound okay? Feel free. Feel <laughs> Sounds free. good to me. 
Okay. So I run into Creep and Creep's girlfriend. I have only met them one time before, and it was the summer of 2021. Summer of 2021, met them at a bar, um, and Creep was just being creepy towards me. He was saying things like, oh, if she, meaning girlfriend, weren't here, I'd be making out with you. Um, if Ooh. she weren't here, I'd be trying to do X, Y, Z to you. Uh, things like you should have her sit on your lap. You should make out with the girlfriend. You should blah, 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 blah. Doing all of these things like when she would step away to go to the bathroom behind her back. Really creepy. Um, that night he Gross. insisted on driving me home. Yeah. He insisted on driving me home. I didn't need to drive home. I'm perfectly fine getting an Uber, whatever. And then um, got back to my apartment and he insisted on coming back. And I deflected. He did not come back. But no, I have to check on you. I have to help you. Whatever. That was in 2021. Didn't see them or talk to them until this incident. Um, so I see them at the wedding and we kind of find it mutual. Um joy, I guess, in the fact that we, the three of us don't know anybody else at this wedding except for the bride and groom, and we're not going to bother them on their night. So we're kind of sticking around each other and the shots are flowing and the the drinks are coming like quick as ever. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's a wedding. It was, as you do at a wedding. It was a good time. Yeah. It was a wedding. And it was on a Tuesday night. So like this couple's just kind of crazy. Yeah. Like kind of crazy hippie, like a lot of fun. Um, so after the what nothing crazy was happening, uh, there, I think we like stepped out to their car a couple times for them to like smoke cigarettes. And, you know, and I just remember like, you know, that kind of drunk when like the whole world is kind of spinning around you, like you're just kind of like. You're like, I should drink some water or something. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's almost when you have like that. It feels in the moment to me, at least when I've felt that way, of a moment of sobriety where you realize you're too drunk. It's not a moment of sobriety, to be clear. <laughs> but yeah. like, but in your mind, it's like that realization. Absolutely. Yeah. So I was having this moment. I was like, okay, I should take a step back. But, you know, it's just hustle and bustle, whatever. So the entire reception leaves the venue and goes to a local bar, which was where the after party was. And... um I, I genuinely don't remember much about this night. I know that me and Creep's girlfriend took a few pictures on my phone. Um, in one of the pictures, she's like licking my cheek. And like, it was just kind of like a messy night. Um, and at one point, so in the booth, in the booth of the bar, I'm on the furthest inside. The girl, Creep's girlfriend was next to me and Creep was on the outside. And I remember feeling um, a hand on my thigh. And I just thought like, oh, it's Creep's girlfriend. You know, her and I have been flirty in the past, just the way that drunk girls sometimes get a little flirty in the past. Um, so I was like, oh, it's probably just her hand. But drunk me didn't think to look down. So I just put my hand on her thigh and we're all laughing at the conversation and whatever. And then the hand on my leg starts to go in towards like vulva area and I'm like, okay, this is uncomfortable. And I kind of like lifted the hand up and I looked down and it's Creep's hand. He was reaching behind girlfriend and had his hand on my thigh. Oh my God. Uh. 
And I remember having this sense of like, almost like a chill went down my body from my head to my toes. And I was like, that I don't like this. That's not okay. And I, I moved his hand. Um, and I don't recall if I said anything that you're going to hear that this is an ongoing theme. I didn't want to embarrass him. So yeah, that's very common. I didn't say anything. Not your theme. Uh, I just mean, uh, people that are in this situation. It's, it sucks that we sit there and go, Oh, well, I don't want to make a scene or I don't want to embarrass this guy, but you're kind of trying to politely give him a signal is essentially what you're saying. Yeah. So I'm like moving his hand off of me. Um, that was just so uncomfortable. But again, I didn't think anything of it. I was like, we're drunk. I moved it. We're all good. Um, let's see here. He keeps buying a bunch of shots. I just remember platters of shots keep showing up to the table and girlfriend would pour half of hers out and then take a half shot. Well, I would take a whole shot. And then she would say, Oh, take the other half of mine. Like it just kept like, they just kept coming. So, and then I'm trying to order an Uber home. I'm ready to go. Um, they were going to be traveling like 20 minutes in one direction to go back to creeps house. And I live 20 minutes the opposite direction. And he was insisting on driving me home. And I'm talking about knocking my phone out of my hands. Don't order an Uber. I'm going to drive you. Don't waste your money. Um, And I was like, no, really, like, it's okay. They ended up changing their plans of where they were going to stay for the night in order to accommodate driving me home. So at that point, I'm thinking like, oh, this is nice. I'm getting a free ride, but also kind of like, like bells are going off. Like, why are, why was he knocking my phone out of my hands? Why was, you know, it just, I just had what I now know was like my intuition was kind of like, hello, hello, wake up, wake up. Oh, um, so next thing I remember, I know that I was asleep in the back of the car and, um, they turned onto my street And I remember him saying, I'm going to make sure she gets in okay. And Creep's girlfriend is in the front seat of the car. I'm in the back. I remember him getting out of the car and grabbing my keys for me. And I was like, no, I can do it. I'm okay. I can get into my apartment okay. I'm I'm fine. And was I very drunk? Absolutely. But I'm able to unlock a door and take care of myself and get in okay. Um, and I remember him just insisting, which key is it? Which key, which door is it? This one, do I go through the hallway? Like, and so I eventually, you know, I unlock my door and I'm expecting to be like, okay, thanks for the ride home. Hug. Goodbye. He follows me into my apartment, uh, shuts the door behind him and locks the door. Um, oh my God. And I remember thinking I was, I was not expecting to get emotional. It's just kind of scary to say out loud. Uh, if anything, I was going to say, you're very drunk and your sirens are still going off about this person. Which is incredible, right? Yeah. yeah. So you're like, I am I know I'm very drunk, but I'm still like, get away from this man. Like, this is a, do this, not let yeah. this man in your house. Bad. Like, right. Which is another thing, like, intuition, your gut feeling is never wrong. Um, mm-hmm. At least in my experience. So he locks the door behind him. And I remember I had a raincoat on. And I remember him like reaching around and he was, and I was like, stop, like, what are you doing? And he was like, I'm just trying to help you get your coat off. And, and I, I, I don't even know 
but one thing led to another and he pushed me up against the wall. And this is still, we're a foot and a half from my front door, pushed me up against the wall. And I have a shoe rack, a wooden shoe rack. So the shoe rack was pressing into the back of my calves, which that'll come up later. Um, but it was pressing into the back of my calves and I'm pushed up against the wall. And I remember saying like, stop, stop. And he had his hand like over my mouth, but like pushing on my jaw almost. Like I have very physical um, memories of like the physical aspect of this. Yeah. Yeah. So he's pushing up against um, my jaw, like almost trying to cover my mouth with one of his hands. With the other hand, he's trying to reach. Thank God I was wearing spandex underneath my uh, my dress. He's trying to floof up my dress and reach underneath my spandex and he's kissing my neck. And he's saying things like, you want this, you're okay with this, you want this. And that's not a normal sentence to say, you're okay with this. No. And you want this. But for some reason, I kept, you're okay with this, you're okay with this. He was turning my head and kissing my neck and pushing so hard against my head. And at the same time, trying to, I assume, get towards my, you know, labia vulva area um and i remember trying to push him off but in the moment i was so weak like he felt so strong and i remember staring up at my ceiling and like not to be dramatic but that's all i could do my head was like pushed yeah. back i remember not dramatic at, at all ceiling. that's terrifying no, it's not. yeah right you're right thank you so I remember looking at my ceiling though and and thinking like, this isn't supposed to happen to me. Like this happens to people. It's not going to happen to me. Why would it happen to me? Like I haven't done anything wrong. And um, I also know like, it's crazy because in those moments, you know what you're supposed to do. Scream at the top of your lungs. It doesn't matter that it's three o'clock in the morning, but I didn't want to embarrass him. I didn't want people to think he was doing something wrong. I didn't want people to think he was a bad person. So I'm pushing him. I'm trying to push. And I remember at one point he goes, are you saying that you want me to leave? And I was like, yes. 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 Yeah. And um, he was like, you're telling me you want me to fucking leave? And I was like, yes. And he went out of my door, slammed my door shut so hard, slammed the hallway door, Keep in mind, Creep's girlfriend is still in the car the whole time. And I assume went out to his car. I immediately lock the door and I'm like, oh my God. And I fall to the ground and I am bawling. Like the kind of cry where you are gagging because you are crying so hard. Um, and I ended up calling one of my friends on FaceTime And I'm just bawling. And he's like, what's going on? What's going on? And all I could say was, why do men think it's okay to do whatever they want to a woman's body? And I was heaving, crying. He was trying to figure out what's going on. Understandably. Yeah, Yeah, clearly something's up. Yeah, Yeah. something's happening. Yeah. Wake up the next morning with a terrible hangover. Um, But beyond a hangover, I just, there was something wrong in my in my, like my gut, my stomach. Like I was like, God, why do I feel weird? Like this is not normal. Um, and Bobby ended up calling me back 
and saying, Hey, how you doing? And I was like, Oh my God, I'm so hungover. I was like, I'm sorry for calling you last night. Like that's so embarrassing. And he goes, Kaylee, I want you to know the severity of what you were talking about on the phone last night. And I was like, well, what, what do you mean? He's like, you kept repeating, why do men think it's okay to do whatever they want to women's bodies? He's like, you were crying harder than I've ever seen somebody cry in their life. He's like, I was wanting to send the cops, but you wouldn't send your, or you wouldn't tell me your address. You wouldn't tell me where you lived. And, and I was like, no, I was like, Bobby, I'm, I'm fine. He goes, he goes, I'm very happy. You're fine now. And he goes, but you were not last night. And I want you to recognize the severity of the situation. And he's a little bit older. He's in his forties. So I kind of look to him as like an older, older brother type of yeah. figure. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of when all of the like mind things started. When I was on the phone with Bobby the night of, and I'm crying, I started getting texts to my phone from Creep and Creep's girlfriend, allegedly-ish, or what I believe, covering their tracks. So Creep was saying things like, hey, I was just, hey, are you okay? And Creep's girlfriend was saying, he was just trying to help you get your coat off. Are you okay? But my messages are just no. And are you okay? And I put no. He, I was just trying to help you. No. I'm coming back. Mm. No. Like that's yeah. all I could type. Um, or it makes it, time, he clearly told his girlfriend something different. And that was also covering the tracks of like, oh yeah, sorry that took a few minutes. Wow, she's really drunk. Like I really hope she's okay. Blah, blah, blah. Because 100%. what a wild move, period, to be like, someone's out waiting in a car and I'm going to try to do this. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. just, I mean, so, disgusting, honestly. Exactly what you just said. I, I guarantee he got back in the car and was like, whoa, like, uh, I was just trying to help her get her rain jacket off. And, haha. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so I started getting all of those texts and I was just saying, no, 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 because I am proud of myself for responding and having the ability to respond and that emotional state back to the morning after Bobby calls me again. I'm like, okay, maybe that was more serious than I thought. I am looking everywhere for validation everywhere. I was Googling the definition of sexual assault. I was like, do I relate with any of this? Does any of this ring a bell? I was texting some friends like, Hey, I think something pretty serious happened last night. Um, and, and, you know, friends would be like, oh, like, no, oh, I'm so sorry that that happened to you. I'm talking about one friend in particular, but just, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, let me know if you need anything. And I was like, okay. And it wasn't until I returned to work, like two or three days after that, still had this burning fire in my stomach. Um, and when I would get back to work, I couldn't think of anything else. Um, I, I work in adolescent psychiatry. So I'm working with suicidal teenagers, um, which is heavy enough. But when you have this pit in your stomach and you can't help somebody else through their crisis because you're dealing with your own crisis, it's not a great situation. (laughs) Um, I was like leaving to go to the bathroom and like, like I was just, I thought I was going to throw up. I was feeling so nauseous constantly. I was congested above my eyebrows and in through my sinuses. I was so congested. I had this pounding headache for like three days. Um, it was awful. And I, I thought like, maybe I need to 
talk to somebody else. That's the kind of reassurance that I look for is like external. I'm very Mm -hmm. much so the kind of person that is not good at processing within myself. So I was talking to one coworker in particular, Haley, and Haley was the one, the first person to genuinely listen to my rambles and my mixed emotions and my thoughts. And she let me cry in front of her. And this is all on our unit. Um, And she listened and she believed me. She didn't dismiss anything. She didn't give a reason for why something might have happened. She didn't ask what I was wearing. She didn't ask how much I drank. She just Mm -hmm. said, I believe you. And at that point, were you kind of still trying to figure out what had happened, like in between when you woke up and didn't really remember to when things kind of started to come back? Yeah, I was still trying to figure out, but I had made up my mind that like, okay, that was really bad. That was really bad. Um, I will say I struggled with and I still struggle with gaslighting myself. I still, even this morning, knowing that we were recording today, even this morning, thinking like, what if he really was just trying to help me get my coat off? That's why I asked that question because I feel like that, especially when, you know, somebody wakes up and their memory is fuzzy and they're still putting things together or if somebody like with your friend kind of triggers that memory of like, no, this, you told me this or that I saw this or whatever it is. I think that is a very common and relatable experience to then have to almost process it over again as you're realizing what happened. Right. Right. It it was almost like going through the stages of grief, but it wasn't in terms of losing something. It was in terms of realizing what had actually happened. Yeah. And do I have a perfect memory of the situation? No, but I'm trusting my gut. Why else would I be bawling my eyes out after a happy wedding, bawling my eyes out saying, why do men think they can do anything they want to women's bodies? And why else do I remember those? You're okay with this. You want this. That's not normal phrases to remember. And then back to the physical, um, physical symptoms, the back of my thighs would start, or I'm sorry, the back of my calves would start aching whenever I thought about this. And that's where they were pressed up against my shoe rack. And I could feel like stuff, like my jaw felt tight when I would think about this and my neck and something with my left thigh and my left thigh is where he was trying to get under my dress. So I just felt absolutely sick. I was talking about how at work I was feeling all of this congestion and nausea. Talked to Haley and Haley encouraged me to report it. And I was like, well, it it's not like it was penetration. It wasn't unwanted sex. And she goes, it, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. It was unwanted touch. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something that sadly a lot of people don't hear or also feel of, yeah. well, it's not rape. So do, right. like, should I report this? Will anyone care? And, and essentially you're kind of comparing your own experience to other people's of like, okay, what I went through is traumatic, but it's not as traumatic. And it's like, Right. Right. Objectively, not as severe as the five-year-old that's forced to give oral sex to somebody. Not as severe, right? Not as traumatizing, but bad. Unwanted. Yeah. Yeah. And also, like, you saw a pattern also within yourself and this person. Clearly, this person 
is probably not only doing that to me. Right. So I also think it's, it's really common and, and relatable for us to compare trauma in that way and say like, well, because mine wasn't as bad, then it must be okay. Or like, I don't deserve X, Y, Z because it could have been worse. And that's being so unfair to ourselves. Absolutely. And I, that's one thing that I want to, I'm so lucky in the fact that I was supported, but every single person that I told, even my mom, which I will get to that, but every single person that I told just said, I believe you. And I'm so sorry. And that is so fucked up. And it is. So searching for validation, I started telling different coworkers and I kept replaying the events of the night in my head over and over again. I would be sitting on my living room couch watching TV and I'd see that shoe rack and I'd be like, that's where I like, that's, I I walk past it 13 times a day. That's my shoe Mm -hmm. rack in the wall that I was pushed up against. Um, so these physical symptoms did not go away until one day I was like, okay, I know that this happened to me. I'm feeling these gut feelings. I need to report it. Um, as I mentioned, Haley, my coworker was the one that said you would report if somebody hit your car, wouldn't you? That's unwanted touch of a car to a car. Hmm. And I was like, well, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Obviously. Yes. And then you're like, yes. Yeah. And then I'm like, Oh, and what really was the kicker was when I called the sexual assault hotline. Um, Again, I was in this moment where I was searching for any sort of validation, searching for anybody to say that, you know, yes, go report it. Yes, this is valid. So I called the sexual assault hotline. And for anybody who's listening that is considering doing this or has thought about it or just wants to know this as a resource, it is the most incredible thing that has ever happened in this scenario for me, they don't even ask your name. They don't ask your age. They don't ask your gender. They just say, Hey, what's up? What's happening? Tell me what happened. And you Mm. talk and they say, I'm so sorry. That sucks. And then you can ask questions. You can ask what your resources are. And the woman that I spoke to, she said, you have options. If you report this person, It'll just be on file. You don't have to see them in court. They don't have to find out about it. But if it happens again to little Susie, whoever down the street, and Susie goes to file a report, then they will see that now Creep has not one, but two reports on him. Mm-hmm. And I thought that that was doing my my due diligence as a woman to report him. So I made up my mind the same day that I talked to the sexual assault hotline. I said, I'm going to go there today, right now, after work. And I was shaking. So nervous. And I'm leaving work and I think, how does this even work? I don't want to speak these words at the police station. I don't want them to say like, oh, okay, you were sexually assaulted. All right, take a seat. I I don't know how it works. Yeah. That's that's a terrifying kind of unknown to walk into and the the filing part you said is also very unknown for a lot of people because there is a very you know big fear and and obviously not even fear just people that say well i don't want to go to court i don't want to have to see them again and and like you said it's like well you can go and just get it on file and figure it out later yeah like you can do with it as you will later um so uh i remember you told me your story of going to the police station yeah 
you walked yes. up. And so, I don't know if you did you originally speak to a man or a woman, but I know they gave you a woman to report to, which was very correct. Nice. Yeah, life changing. So um, I went up to the counter or no, I'm sorry, I called on my way to the police station and I said, hi, I think I was sexually assaulted. Um, what are my options? What can I do? And they said, come on into the station. We're going to have you talk with someone. Everything was kind of ramping up to like, am I going to report? When am I going to do this? Is it going to feel right? Everything was ramping up. So the day before that I reported, two insane things happened. Um, One, I got a text from my mom out of the blue saying something feels off. Are you okay? Wow. Mm. And I, in simple terms, I just told her that uh, somebody tried to take advantage of me and I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to go to the police station. She just said, I support you. And two, the bride texted me from her honeymoon. She texted me saying, hey, did you have a good time at the wedding? And I said, I had a great time. And I said, but I do have something to talk to you about when you get back from your honeymoon. And she called me right away. And... She goes, Hey, what's going on? You know, what, what's up? And I said, I don't, I don't want to take away from your honeymoon. Like, I'm so sorry. I don't mean to scare you. She goes, no, tell me. And I said, well, you know, creep. And she said, yeah. I said, he's a really bad person. And she goes, what did he do? Not even what do you mean? She just said, what did he do? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I basically said the short version of the story. This whole entire phone call was maybe five minutes. I said the short version of the story And she said, do whatever you need to do. She goes, I support you 100%. And he will never hear from me or my husband ever again. And that alone, she's like, do what you need to do. You have my support. And hung up the phone. That's huge. Yeah, she believed you. Huge. 100%. So back to reporting. I call. They say, we're going to get you in a room with someone um, to report this creep. Get to the police station. And I was like, hi. And I am shaking when I walk up to the window yeah, and I say, hi, I just called. And the woman goes, oh my gosh. Yep. No worries. She goes, take a seat. Do you need water? Do you need a snack? Do you need anything? I was like, no, I'm okay. She goes, take a seat. We're going to have someone come, come talk to you. They send down a female officer. Um, thank God, because if I had to sit alone in a room with a man, I don't think it would have gone the same way. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, but this officer and I, we sat in the room together for probably two hours. She said, start from the beginning. I told her even way more detail than I'm telling you guys tonight. Um, I showed her text messages. I showed her screenshots. I showed her pictures from the wedding, everything in so much detail. She had me, she was printing off images. We Facebook searched creep found out his address, his place of work, the address of his work, the phone number. She took down his phone number. She took down girlfriend's phone number, got so much information. She had me stand against the wall at one point and literally do what he was doing to me. She goes, where did he touch you? And I immediately, I put my hand on my thigh, my left thigh, and I put my right hand on my jaw. And she goes, she's like, of you're recalling it so physically, like you're recalling these things um, mm-hmm. as if they were happening to me in real time and told her everything. She thanked me and I walked out of the police station and my congestion cleared up. My stomach ache, the nausea completely went away. 
my headache that I had had for three days at that point completely went away. I literally felt like Snow White, like birds were tweeting again, like, like the clouds were puffy and white, the sun was shining, like it was wild. But I felt so proud of myself. And I texted those couple of coworkers that I had told, and they just said, we're so proud of you. Like, you've done what you need to do. Um, whew. So following, following reporting that, um, I kind of went on with my life and for the next few days at least. And I was getting calls from that police officer every once in a while. Hey, how are you doing? It is not her job to provide therapy to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's not her job really to do anything. I think she was just following through with the process with a gentle hand. She asked me if I wanted Creep to be notified of the police report. And at first I said no, because I was didn't want him to be embarrassed, didn't want him to think he was in trouble. What? <laughs> or I'm also, like, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I would also assume like if it was me, part of you goes, I don't want them now to come after me. Right. They know where you live. Like that, that would be right. really yeah. scary for me, I think. Right. Absolutely. Um, and so at first I was saying no. And then she goes, you know, when we do tell them, we encourage them to not reach out to you. She said, the ball's in your court. You can take them to court. You can press charges. Like, you're the one that filed this report. So that's another thing. You have so many options past filing the report. It's good to get it on record. Um, and so I did decide I ended up wanting her to call him and tell him. And she called me back afterwards. And I, I was like, what did he say? What did he say? She goes, well, legally, I can't tell you what he said. Yeah. But his story and your story don't match up. She goes, of according size, to yeah. him. Right. According to him, he didn't even go in your apartment. Oh. Yeah. Bull. Yeah. So and he's like, like fully trying to cover his tracks at that point, which... And then correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe she also walked you through different processes, even if you were to try to press, sorry, try to press charges, that there also are yeah. several options like within that of, correct. correct me if I'm wrong, I believe there are situations of pressing charges, but you do not have to physically be in the same space correct. as the person, which is yeah, something absolutely. else I think a lot of people don't know. Yeah, like absolutely. there is options, but, and, and it's great that you had somebody that was offering those options to you as opposed to making you ask because it is very traumatic and you're yeah. in crisis mode and you don't know what your options are and it also can vary state by state and you know the other person we talked to was colleges school by school i'm sure there's something similar in each state and but i would imagine because state laws vary in a lot of other ways that <laughs> that like options the options that you have and the ways that you need to go about them are so different and so like a resource like the sexual assault hotline that you mentioned which we will put in the show notes um as a resource but i would imagine that they have that kind of information too in terms of like state-by-state -state differences yeah it was yeah. so helpful to have somebody walk me through that process um a little scary that i was getting calls from the police station like almost every day sure. but <laughs> um but yeah, you're right, Erica. She gave me that option. She said, if you press charges, you don't have to be there in the room with him. She's like, yeah, I'll be there in the room with you. Like, I'll represent you, you know, like, figuratively speaking, not in a lawyer type way. 
I have a friend who did the filing system and did not press charges. And then when another woman came forward of a similar situation, they contacted her to testify. And you have every right to not testify as well. So she didn't, but she said, you could absolutely use my file as evidence. Like, mm-hmm. but I do not want to physically go to court and possibly have to face this man, which is also another yeah. option, I think. Yeah. Sorry, I just wanted to add no. before I forgot. Great point. Great point. And you know what? Being a year out from the situation, I would absolutely go sit on that witness stand and like figuratively, yeah. <laughs> metaphorically <laughs> beat the crap out of that guy with my words. I would beat the creep out of him is what I would do. Um, but it's great that it's like, you don't have to, because that could be another yeah. fear someone has of the filing of like, but if I don't right. press charges and somebody else does, now am I involved and my name's being used and I, and I need to right. testify because there's right. some, you know, obviously I'm not a lawyer, uh, but there's some cases where like you are called to be somewhat of a witness and don't have the option to back like out. Like if you're subpoenaed. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. exactly that's Correct. the lawyer word for it thank you Allie <laughs> <laughs> also not a lawyer for the record not legal Where's advice work when we yeah. need her <laughs> yeah but right? I but I, I just I think a lot of reasons we don't report these types of things is fears we have that are really unknown fears because we just don't know how the system works fear of the unknown exactly the police officer did give me the option to be put on a list where a uh patrol car will drive past my apartment once a day. And I was like, well, that seems a little dramatic. I don't need that. And she goes, there are so many people on this list. It's just a patrol service and you live in an apartment building. So it's like, what can we really see? But if things look out of, out of the norm, they can contact me and make sure I'm okay. Or if things look normal, that's great. And I kid you not, Every single day since that happened, I have seen a police car. Of course, if we're passing at the same time. But like pretty much every day that I've been around my apartment, I have seen one. I was going to say, I remember a great point you made to me when we spoke was saying that you oddly felt like this is normal because it happens to so many people is like a Mm -hmm. different flip side of it of like. No, someone like it, it, it helps to have someone say that's not normal. That's not okay. Like, yeah. yes, that is report worthy. Absolutely. Yeah. One of the, one of the points that I would love to drive home is that I, unwanted touch is unwanted touch. It's not normal. It's not part of college. It's not part of being a woman. It's not part of being drunk at a party. We have to stop gaslighting ourselves as a society. We have to stop gaslighting ourselves that this is part of life. Erica, actually, when we spoke prior, you um, kind of brought a little comedy into it, which I really appreciate. And you were you were saying that you don't ask somebody how drunk they were when they rob a bank. So why would you ask somebody how drunk they were if they sexually assaulted somebody or I forget how you phrased it, but yeah, no, I mean, uh, that's for the drunk excuse where people are always like, well, you were drunk or they were drunk. It's like a crime is a crime. Being drunk doesn't omit the crime. We don't use that as an excuse for anything else for any other crime. Yeah. And I actually have a friend who has an interesting bit where she says, you know, we have different degrees of murder, but it's still, like all of it is still enough to go on trial and still is a crime 
Like, yeah. so I think that's something that you kind of have where you're like, oh, my quote degree of sexual assault, I didn't feel right. was a higher degree, but does it make it not sexual assault? No. The answer is right. No. Right. Sexual assault is a spectrum. And if it's, if it's bad to you, then it's bad enough. And I understand needing to clear your mind and get out of the moment and make sure that you're physically safe. But when you have a moment to revisit those thoughts and revisit what happened to you, take those steps that you can. I wish so badly that I could go back and shake my 20, 21, 22 year old self and say, that's not normal. I wish, I wish as women, we knew the steps that are available to us. And that we can all come together in solidarity and support one another and believe each other. Yeah. So. And I think like knowing those steps then makes it feel, I think, a lot more in your control of if you decide to take them or not. Like I think also totally valid if you're like, okay, I know that those are my options and that's not what feels right or safe for me right now. Right. And that is totally okay too. But like it's that unknown of not even knowing what's available to you, I think that is really yeah. tough. All of it's tough. That's one of my takeaways from this. No matter the situation, if somebody discloses sexual assault to me from here on out, you can just start by believing them. You know, it's so yeah. little effort to say, I believe you and I'm sorry. It's It takes so little. Um, and that actually, like, I wanted to kind of bring this back to dating because of the podcast that we're on. Um, but it, it's changed how I date. And I've only dated, I've been on several dates, but I've only um, dated one guy since this happened. And I have his permission to share this, but we had um, a talk closer to the beginning of when we started seeing each other about things, about childhood, about trauma. And I told him this story and he, again, was one of those people that said, I'm so sorry that that happened to you. And if you're not going to be able to stand by me in that, then I don't need, you're not my person, first of yeah. all. Mm -hmm. um, but just having that support from him also, it's changed how I view this situation in my life. I, I think if I didn't have that support from people, I'd be embarrassed. I would have never submitted my story. I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you guys. It's changed the entire outcome. I am so much more receptive to the hardships that other people have gone through, which sounds really messed up. I, I was pretty receptive to begin with, but I know how hard it is to talk about. And again, my situation could have been more severe and it has affected my life in so many ways. <laughs> so when somebody's like, oh yeah, something like that happened to me before, put whatever you're doing down. It's time to listen. It's time to trust. It's time to respect and it's time to believe them. And the second thing that I've like fully, fully taken away from this is to always trust your gut, your intuition. My mom trusted her gut when she texted me and said, something feels off. Are you okay? Like, still, what? Mm -hmm. How did she yeah, do that? Yeah, that's wild. That's a mom it's intuition shit. Yeah. This is obviously separate, but there was one night I was like, 
I actually was making out with somebody in my car until just very late at night in the city. And then, um, and my mom, like clockwork, would text me around midnight being like, oh, are you home? And then I got a text exactly the time I was pulling in home that was like, are you home? And I, my first thought was, first of all, are you tracking my phone? Uh, and she wasn't. <laughs> but I was like, there's some weird mom intuition that she just like woke up at the exact time and like something told her I am not home. She's like, Erica's still out. I could just feel that she's I could out. feel she's out. That she's at, yeah. you know, like, and I just remember pulling in like, damn, I can't get away with anything, you know, like, <laughs> there's just that mom thing and none of us are moms, so we don't know yet, but I'm like, what is it? It's some fucking superpower that we can't put yeah. our finger on. Yeah, seems like it. And like, my gut, even when like, I, I felt the gut feeling, you know, and I was like, all right, go to work, like, whatever, we'll deal with you yeah. later. It started giving me more signs. The congestion was so bad the nausea, the pounding headache. Ibuprofen wasn't touching it. Like nothing was helping anything. And so it's it's literally like my gut was like, hey, listen to me or I'm going to make you listen. And I listened and I went to the police department. Yeah. And then the fact that you felt relief of all your symptoms after is very telling. Very telling. I I would say unexplainable, but... (laughs) explainable yeah i think most people have had that on a yeah most people have had that on like a base level anxiety of like a conversation you're anxious about and nervous and maybe you just you know got into a fight with a friend and you're and you're just feeling terrible and that gut feeling and then the relief that comes after so i don't doubt for one second that your body was being like it's not right it's not right no i just i want to thank you again kaylee for you know telling your story and being so open and so vulnerable about it and I, i think a lot of people are going to resonate with both the situation that you shared, but also kind of the aftermath and, you know, how you felt since. So just thank you again. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for having me on. This was extremely nerve wracking, but I feel a lot better than I did starting this conversation. So it's good. It's worth talking about. If you have a story to share, it's worth sharing. Yeah. And thank you for sharing because I'm sure many people relate. So thank you again for coming on. Um, and to everyone listening, you will talk to us next week. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Bye.